Hello, Dave. <laughs> Hello, Ollie. You're not no. feeling very well, are you? What? No, I'm fine, thanks. Everything's <laughs> fine. Yes. I've had, had plenty of sleep and everything's fine. <laughs> very good. Welcome, listener, to Sustainer Babble, uh, your weekly podcast looking at everything that's wrong with the environment, why it's all so complicated, and why we just cannot work out what to do about it. Welcome indeed. Where are you, Dave, and how are you? <laughs> I am not monstrously hungover. I'm in the People's Republic of North Somerset, as usual, where it's been winter for a thousand years. Uh, where are you? Uh, I'm in Loughborough Junction, well, as usual, as per. Uh, it's very sunny, but but chilly, and um, my, my bird friend's back again. Sorry about that. Cheap, cheap, cheaping in a way. But um, as we were saying, it's quite nice to have a bit of nature on a podcast like this. So. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. This week, we are going to be looking at the war on fish. We're going to be looking at the delivery of cold. We're going to have a surprisingly good Beastly Person of the Week. And we're going to be looking at Top Gear. Mm. Um, but before all that, let's just do the usual disclaimers. We work for environmental charities, but these are our own views. Take up any issues with us. And for heaven's sake, don't take them up with anyone that we work for, because they will disavow all knowledge. All right, shall we get on with it? Let's do it. Woo! Sustainable of the week. So every week we have a little look at the egregious eco guff that's got our wick during the week, and we uh, we have a bit of a laugh with it. But this week, no laughs because it's very very serious. Oh. There was the war on drugs. Remember that? Yeah, I was there. I and uh, and then a war on terror. Yeah, Still I going. remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah big nasty things but they they were piddling little examples of wars compared to today's war announced by the environment agency which is the war on top mouth gudgeon <gasps> what's this about then this is about well I mean, it's a what's press it? release from the environment agency right where they're talking about the elimination of an inv- destructive invasive fish and, my God, you know they mean it by the tone and the language they use in this re- press release. It is it is like a press release from the Ministry of Defence. It's extraordinary. They talk about winning its war against this, uh, this fish. They talk about the fish has been wreaking havoc in the country's lakes and ponds. Uh, they talk about today's operation to eliminate the fish, targeted removal of the fish mm. um, and, and they remind us that they've got form on this it wasn't just the top head gudgeon but the fat head minnow which was eliminated in 2008 it's terrifying language and then there's this bit which you pointed out to me earlier they're talking about today expert fishery officers kitted out in specialist protective gear were on site for the latest operation Oh, God, it's terrifying. So I don't know. This all sounds very, very scary and serious. So, so I imagine, I don't know what a topmouth gudgeon is. I'm not an expert in fish. But I imagine, based on the description that you've just given, that it's a great stonking barracuda type thing with 25 rows of teeth and eats flesh. Is that right? It's about the size of a thumb. Right. It's a, it's a tiny little sort of pilchard looking thing. I mean, pilchards are bigger than this, actually. I don't know. It's a... It's absurd. There's a little picture of the man holding it, right? And his wedding wing ring dwarfs it. It's um, right. It's a little fish. They've got. They've just gone gone to war on tiny little fish. 
I mean, it's a you know, it's a serious thing, isn't it, when you have non-native species upsetting the natural balance things. I don't have a I have a problem with that. I'm, I'm not an expert any more than than you are, but. I just feel like you don't need to write a press release which is essentially authored by General Sir Mike Jackson and co-authored by George W. Bush and talking about taking out the enemy and, you know, collateral damage, which might as well be in there. It's just, can't say, it's the environment, it's fish, it's rivers. Talk about it sensibly, you idiots. And, of course, don't worry, because uh, another reason why they want us to get upset, not just because there are foreign fish coming over here invading our way of life, uh, is because (laughs) of the cost of the economy. So that's the other reason to care about it, is because it would cost the economy a massive $1.8 a year uh, if we didn't get rid of this fish and all the other fish. uh, And and all the other other fish on the, quote, hit list of the UK's most damaging invasive species. And there's an app. Worry not uh, if you see any top-mouth gun making their way down your local high street or infesting a pond in Hackney, you can download the Aqua Invaders app uh, from which you can report any sightings of suspicious fish. And there's also an instant hotline to call as well. So uh, actually, I feel... I want to call that. Uh, we, should, Look, we should call it. <laughs> we should do it now, get them on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I've seen one. It's coming for me. Help! And I'll tell you something else I saw while we're on the subject of sustainer babbling. Which oh, yeah. we are. Uh, how? how um, uh, when's the last time you had any cold delivered? Coal, uh, as in like cold, cold. No, you know, like uh, well, it's it's winter, so you've had you've had you've had your warm delivered, haven't you? At the start of the, the start of the winter, and then in summer when your house gets a bit hotter, you'll have some cold delivered, won't you? Are you on drugs? What are you talking about? So this is. This is there's a thing apparently I didn't know this was a thing but the UK according to the Carbon Trust who are a uh, company used to be a government agency aren't anymore that uh, do like sustainability in business and stuff like that uh, the provision of cold it says is now a vital foundation of modern society delivering cold to where it is most needed requires research cold you know what they mean fridges is what they mean and like air conditioning but they turned oh, it into right. a thing called cold. Yeah, cold. Genuinely had no idea what they meant. Delivering, cold. De- delivering cold. It's like delivering coming around cold. with sort so of there's... tissues and saying, um, you, you were feeling a bit peaky. It's like, no, Here's no. some cold, yeah. yeah. You should yeah. be. Here you go. Sneeze. Ah, oh, cold delivered. Yeah. Next house. God's it's sake. like when you get out of the shower, you, you you wrap yourself in some dry, don't you? Or you know when you when you <laughs> yeah. get into the bath, you, you you thoroughly submerge yourself in wet. This is just nonsense. And <laughs> what they're doing it again? They're doing it precisely so that they can do a thing called the cold economy because that gets people excited. You see, because it sounds like innovation and engineering and technology. It's nonsense. They can't bring themselves to say fridges should be better and we no. shouldn't lose so much energy heating stuff up, cooling it down again. Then. You know, there's no hope. I, I do think it's worth reading out this phrase because as an example of, of, of the worst sort of sustainable, I'm not sure I've seen a better one. Um, just read it in full. T- turning the cold economy from an idea into reality will depend on joined up thinking and collaboration by industry, academia and government to develop, test and deploy novel solutions. With Britain's rich history of innovation and engineering, we have a real opportunity to lead the way in low-carbon, cold technologies and drive innovative solutions from the lab to the market. You know what that means? Let's make better air conditioners. Yeah. Complete and utter nasty tag of the week! So every week we have a little look at the rotters in the world who have 
wound us up and been mean and beastly about all things environment. And this week, it's a bit of a star of the environment movement, or at least, a you know, the bete noir of the environment movement. It's your man, Jeremy Clarkson. I should, I should probably announce it like, it's Jeremy Clarkson, or something like that. Because he's, I mean, where do you start? Well, you see, mm, so, ah, right. This week, see, I'm going to pick you up on this because I actually think this week Jeremy Clarkson's being quite nice. Do you want to say that again? Jeremy Clarkson has been quite nice. You're happy about the saying that? Happy saying those words in that order? Well, I think so. So he's not a very nice person about the environment in general, is he? He doesn't like it very much. He no, he's thinks not got great form. Not got great form. He thinks it gets in the way of roads and <laughs> cars, and he'd rather that it wasn't there, and he'd rather that everyone who likes protecting the planet went away to France, where he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. But I think, actually, I was... So I don't know if you saw this week's Top Gear. Um, I did, actually. Yeah. I did it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, and, all, it's all right to admit that we like Top Gear, isn't it? Well, I was going to say, I I do quite like Top Gear. I quite like Top Gear at all, yeah. I, I sort of, I secretly watch it. It's like, it's a sort of guilty pleasure. Mm. But actually, I think it shouldn't be. It's it's good telly. It's good telly. It's also, not, I don't know anything about cars, really. No, it's not so. really about cars, though, is it? No. Any more than this podcast about the environment. It's just, no. so, it's just, a, just, just, just some blokes wittering on about whatever, whatever comes to mind. But uh, this week he was reviewing... Um, so I, I think, I, I've pointed this out to people before, I think he's softening on his hostility to the environment. And I think it's... Yeah, um, yeah our, our, um, our chum at Simon Bullock was pointing this out to us this week. That his problem with the environment has always generally been that he sees it as a thing that stops really loud, laddish cars being built and really roaring engines and mm. petrol and all those things that he likes. But actually what's happened with cars now is that your hybrid car, which is a mixture of you know an electric and a petrol motor, or even electric cars, full stop, full are yeah. kind of good enough, almost... Um, that they're better than the petrol version. So he was comparing this week a hybrid version to a petrol version, and he chose the hybrid version. Um, yeah, it was the big, it was the BMW, wasn't it? it was yeah, their, you know, yeah. really gnarly M3, and it's their new sort of swanky i8. I think they are. So I mean, that in itself is significant. That he's now, you know, that, that he's now not moaning about electric cars as being the preserve of, of grannies nipping around the shop and. and coming back again well, on nipping. the pavement. That was the point about them. Yeah. You were never nipping anywhere, That's were you? True. Sort of falling to, in the general direction of the shop. So, you know, Vorsprung, Dirk technique and all that, and we've moved on. But <laughs> the other thing that's happened is, as a result of that, he now he can do an entire feature where he's driving through fields of wind turbines and talking yeah. about the environment, and he's not really being sarcastic about it anymore. He seems to have accepted, and I noticed this happening a, a few series ago, he seems to have accepted that basically the war against doing something about climate change has been lost, that the world is going to do something about cutting carbon and about climate change, and it is going to build wind turbines, and it is going to make cars more efficient, and that just is how it's going to be. And he seems to have, although I don't think he's massively happy about it, and he'll still raise one of his stupid fat eyebrows, <laughs> I actually think he's accepting it. And his problem has always been, well, the technology is not good enough, and now it kind of is. I think I think you're right, and it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating example of... Um, particularly the sort of older older folk who have just decided a while ago that they didn't want this climate change thing to be a, a certainly not to be a, a problem and and but worse they didn't want us to have to change anything about um, our lives in order to address it and then sort of slowly but surely realizing that some of the changes are 
good. Yeah. And, you know, BMW's latest car is actually a really good car and great fun to drive. And it, it reminded me a little bit of the... Uh, there's a, a, um, a parent of a friend of mine who was the first person in the country, I think, to get the Twizzy. Have you seen one of those Twizzies? What, a thing made out of turkey that you feed to school kids? And... <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Little kind of shoebox electric car type thing, but uh, I think it's got some some crazy um, amount of mileage it can do on a single charge or whatever. Um, very sort of towny, towny car. And he's also, he's got one of these these I hate things. And I started talking to him about it. I said, oh, it's amazing. You must be, must be really pleased about having such a sort of environmentally friendly car. And he sort of looked a bit nonplussed. He was like, no, I couldn't give a couldn't give two hoots about that. It's just it's a brilliant gadget. And so there's a common kind of thing going on with people like Clarkson and people like Andrew Neil and even people like James Dellingpole, who it's been uh, I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if everyone out there knows who Dellingpole is. I can't recommend you read him, but although he is, I suppose, quite funny. Uh, but it's he's he used to be a Telegraph columnist. He, a year ago this week, exactly, he uh, lost his Telegraph column for reasons unknown. And if you look at what's been going on in the Telegraph for the last week, it goes to show you just how off the chart crazy you have to be um, to yeah. to lose a Telegraph column, even though you're bearing in mind that he was generating a lot of clicks on his pieces just because people were going, can you believe what Denning Polar said this week? You know, and, But even the Telegraph recognised that that wasn't wasn't justifiable and, no, um, and no. ditched him. But uh, th- these guys are basically trolls. I mean, the thing that unites them is that there is a th- th- they see the environment and action on climate change as a kind of attack on not really on anything to do with the planet, but on the idea of ultimate personal freedom. You know, and I'm sort of caricaturing mm. all of them with the same brush. There, there is a difference between Andrew Neil and James Dellingpole, believe it or not. But there is. And do you remember when uh, Ed Davey, the Energy and Climate Secretary, went on? Andrew Neil's show, what was it, a couple of years ago now, and uh, Andrew Neil gave him this sort of legendarily hostile attack over climate science. It was about the time that people who like to pretend that climate change isn't a big deal were pointing to the fact that global surface temperatures appeared to have paused, so there wasn't there ah, wasn't the a pause, rise, yeah, which actually, yeah, you know, the right, science yeah. would say, well, that's only because all the heat's gone into the ocean and it's got a lot warmer down there, and also, plus, it's, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, basically. But you remember that interview, yeah. and that he yeah. defended it by it's saying, um, it's, it's my job as a broad Broadcaster to ask the questions that challenge the uh, interviewee's established views. So you ask something that requires them to justify their position. You remember that? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And he made it all yeah. sound very reasonable, but it wasn't really reasonable. No, it wasn't. And it, it well, he's also bringing up this point that that science is never settled, uh, or rather, that the science isn't settled. Um, therefore, it's perfectly justified to be a kind of lone maverick voice, basically just disagreeing with. Um, with tomes of, of climate science, but that completely un- misunderstands what science is, doesn't it? Because yeah. of course it's not settled. Like it's not a it's not a fusty beer with sediment kind of floating to the bottom, waiting to settle. It's no. science. The point is that you test a hypothesis over and over again. You try to disprove stuff until you can't. Well, even then, you can never you know prove a theory. You can only ever disprove it. So no no science is ever settled. It evolves, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. And that's what that's what's so strong about the kind of climate science area is is that thousands and thousands and thousands of climate scientists are trying to test and disprove the theory um, that we all 
that we've talked about before, that the, the Earth's hotting up, etc. Um, and so far they haven't. And the evidence that it is happening has got stronger and stronger. So you, it's just not really legitimate to say, ah, well, you know, it's not settled, so therefore I need to disagree. Of course it's not settled, but yeah, looking like it's pretty close. I don't know, I don't know what the closest to being settled is, but it's, it's there. And I think the thing that we will see as, you know, the we get better and better technology and as people as society just generally accepts the environment is more of a problem and the politicians do more and more stuff on climate change is that that trolling that these guys are doing will start to look like something else but it will go away and i am i am just kind of reassured by the way that even someone like jeremy clarkson who no doubt in private still goes home and sets fire to car tires in his front garden and kicks otters in the face for no reason i've got no i'm sure he does that sort of thing i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying so either and maybe if he'd like to come on the program and defend his views rigorously we could investigate that with him but even he is not able to have a credible public position anymore that makes it look like uh you know climate change is really up for debate and i actually i just find it faintly reassuring reasons to be cheerful so, reasons to be cheerful. <laughs> I've How, got one. Uh, I've got one. You're not oh, yeah. dead. You look <laughs> dead, and you sound dead, and you probably feel dead. Uh, but Thanks, you're, you're, you're slogging away, my brave little trooper, like a topmouth gudgeon in the face of an <laughs> environment agency warlord. Well done you for carrying on. How are you feeling? I feel like I feel like there are topmost gudgeons in my head declaring war on me. But um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dave. Oh well, I'm glad I'm glad you're cheerful, and I, I guess there's some cheer in me somewhere. Um, but there are some there are some bigger reasons to be cheerful. And uh, this week, we have learned, thanks to the charity Age UK, that twelve thousand elderly people are not dying in the UK each winter because of money what is given to them by the government the winter fuel payments mm. um, so that is that is looking at the idea that cold the cold in general um, and particularly cold homes uh, is really problematic for older people and people die unnecessarily um, but money that the government is dishing out in the form of the winter fuel payment is helping them to keep the heating on stay warm not die and that's 12,000 people not dead that's brilliant so mm. what well, twelve thousand people not dead. Well, no, okay. So look, it's an unconditionally good thing that old people aren't freezing to death in their houses in the winter. But I'm not sure that the way that that we're saying that government doling out two or three hundred quid a year, and that means that old people could spend money on heating their homes. It's it's sort of cheering, but it sort of isn't because actually, wouldn't it be better if our homes weren't terribly insulated and if people weren't poor yeah. and if energy bills weren't really expensive? Wouldn't that just be better? Than having yeah, was, to it's, than it's, having to dole out two or three hundred quid, and it's like sticking plaster stuff, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, you, you were saying when we were talking about this earlier, it is a longer term thing, isn't it? You can't you can't just insulate all of the houses straight away. No. Um, there's there's going to be times when you need to do both, but as I think we've talked about before, they're not insulating anything like the number of houses, anything like fast enough. So there's. Um, it's not like that they're off the hook on that front. No, indeed. but in general, twelve thousand people not dead. Yeah, Dave. all right. Look, I'm not. You're not. You're not going to trick me into saying that the genocide of old people is a good thing. I know what you'll like. <laughs> I know what you'll do with that when I do say it. You're not going to trick me into saying that. Prediction time. <laughs> you're already laughing. Yep. I don't like it. There's a reason yep. we've been dragging this podcast out. There's a reason I've been dragging this podcast yep. out. That's because um, you're going to be sick into a bag. 
<laughs> yeah, partly because I'm struggling to keep both eyes open. Um, and partly because I don't want to get to the prediction section. Because, Dave, you were right. I was right. Prediction one, Dave one, Ollie nil. Here's what happened, listener, at this historic event. Um, where actually we predicted something and it happened. We were talking last week, as you'll remember, about divestment. Do listen to previous podcast number five if you don't know what we're talking about. And the British oil company Shell had tried to get on the front foot by saying that actually uh, we're nice and climate change is a massive problem and oil companies need to be need to be part of the solution. And my prediction was, I bet another oil company comes out in the following week and says similar. And I didn't predict which one. But really, you know, the the main one would have been BP, and indeed it was BP whose boss. Oh, that's that's been quite. The main one would have been well, BP. No, 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 had you all. predicted which one it was, I would have You're covering yourself there. So you... I would have claimed victory, even if it was a teeny tiny piddly little oil company. The point is, the one that did it was the other really big one. Exploration Corp. That's right. Came out. And Bob Dudley, chief executive, said that uh, carbon emissions do not appear sustainable, and that uh, we oil companies need to be part of the solution basically and that climate change is a massive problem and he was also echoed by the ex-chair of BP Lord Brown who said oil companies have to uh, cut carbon and build new business models and Mm. basically I was entirely right so look I was right and uh, you're going to have to really pull your finger out now and it's your turn what have you got all right well there's some fascinating stuff going on in Parliament next week, and I know that's a sentence which should never be said, but mm. it is true. It's just as There's well this is at things. the end of the podcast section, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, when everyone's given up listening already. Yeah. Um, not only is the APPG, the All-Party Parliamentary Group for the Horse, meeting, oh, right. um, okay. which, which is pretty exciting, not only is there a consultation on open access restriction at Breaky Bottom... What? There's a there's a place called Breaky Bottom, and uh, there's some dispute about whether or not a fence should be put around a chalk pit. Anyway, that's that's been discussed. High level stuff. Mm. But more importantly, even than Breaky Bottom, is the Environmental Audit Committee, which is a kind of ex- expert group of MPs who kind of hold the government to account on its green stuff. They are having an evidence session Tuesday, I think it is where they're looking at 2010 to 2015 progress reports. On, like, green stuff. Yeah, on how the government's been getting on. That could be, as kind of progress reports go, I reckon that one could be... It's like the homework you sort of don't really want to show... The the marking of your homework you don't really want to show your mum. It's going to be an E for effort, I think. Mm. There might be some... Might be some positive stuff in there, I don't know. But uh, Dan Rogerson, MP, is the one, the poor soul, who, junior minister that's been wheeled out to defend the entire government's entire green record in front of 15 baying MPs. And I reckon that he's going to say, everything's fine. Everything's fine. He's going to say, 2010 was great, 2011 was great, 2012 better, 13 belter, 14 absolutely magic, and 15, well, hasn't got far yet, but it's going to be the best of the lot. And I reckon that the Environmental Audit Committee will say, nah. Okay, so that is it for the week. Um, Sustainable. That was six, wasn't it? Sustainable six. A full half dozen. That's a series. If we were on BBC in the eighties, we'd be finished for a series now. (laughs) 
<laughs> we may well be anyway. Yeah, we might well uh, be. Yeah. Thank you as ever to Dickie Moore for providing uh, the music. Dickie Moore of Bearcraft fame. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at the Babble Wagon. We've had a number of people tweeting us. It's been brilliant. Yeah, thank you to everyone who tweeted us. We didn't use everything, but hopefully we used some of the stuff that you sent us. Uh, so yeah, tweet us at the Babble Wagon. You can find us uh, well. You know how to find the podcast because you found it. iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. We have a Facebook page as well, and you can email us at hello at sustainababble.fish, which is our new proper sounding. Uh, email address or a uh, website sustainababble.fish alright I'll see you next week Dave alright bye bye